Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. And we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode number 54. Lovely to have you with us on what's been a really tough week for Australian golf um, and by extension Australian golf fans, Mark Hay, Stacey Peters. Uh, here alongside me, Andy Ma. Lovely to see the pair of you. Hello to you, Stace. Hey, thanks, Murray. Thank you. Hazy, how are you bearing up, old boy? <laughs> uh, Andy, we're chatting on Wednesday afternoon, and you and I have had the <laughs> chance to speak in another couple of forums previously um, to the news that we're about to talk about, and I'm battling. So I think our normal... Um, Upbeat, so especially the intro, yeah. um, it's just going to have to go by the wayside today. I apologise to anyone who's listening and downtrodden with my voice. No, I think people are going to understand that. John Sendon's going to join us. I encourage you to have a listen to the big fella when he joins on the show. Ali Whittick is going to preview the British Women's Open. Obviously, a lot to look forward to regarding Australia's chances there, but just another great event. Blake Collier, hopefully going to get in contact with that young man who lit it up <laughs> uh, in an amateur event over in the States. But, of course, Hazy and Stace, uh, the lead item is the terribly sad news regarding Jared Lyle. Um, Bri Lyle puts out the Facebook post on Tuesday night and the world goes into preemptive mourning. The, the, the heaviness of the sadness that was felt right around the globe as people woke to the news or went to bed with the news was, um, was pretty overwhelming, to be honest. Uh, it... <sighs> I don't even know where to start. I'm no, on. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's th- our thoughts just. How long have you known him for? How long have you known him for? Ten, fifteen yeah. years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak. I'm not as close with him as and his family as uh, Hazy is here. But yeah, it's it, just our thoughts with uh, his family at this difficult time. Look, he, um, he's made the most gut wrenching decision you can ever make, which is, um, you know, to opt for palliative care rather than treatment. Um, for those who haven't caught up and. That is, I think, galling and, you know, incredibly sad when you're 110 years old. Hmm. But when you're 36 and you've got a beautiful wife who's a hero and you have daughters who are six and two and an apple of your eye, uh, I don't think many people have the strength to actually pull that trigger, Andy. Hmm. And, and, you know, (laughs) I think that uh, people... uh, rightly and beautifully have given him great encouragement for such a long time, not only his time, but his second battle in particular in 2012 when they knew what was going on as well. Come on, Jared, keep fighting. Mm. You can do it, mate. Come on, you can push. Get there. Come on, keep going. He he, he still reads all these tweets and posts and blogs and snaps and all this stuff. 
and his body can no longer answer the bell. Hmm. He, he he can't get there, Andy. And and to see him on Tuesday night in uh, Royal Melbourne Hospital was uh, not to see a Jared Lyle who's full of life and how we will remember him in time, but to see someone who's in pain and um, doing an incredibly tough, has no sense of uh, joy of what might lay ahead anymore. It's just counting down the days and they're painful days right now. Mm. He's mm. a, he's a, this is such, this is so <laughs> gut-wrenching. He's about half the weight we once knew him as. Um, he's effectively blind. He's uh, deaf in one ear. He's has no dignity in a lot of senses. Mm. In a personal way, he can't move in his bed without help. And, you know, we, we, he's alive and he's mentally with it, which is awesome. I, lo- I love that about him. Um, but I don't think it's a life. If no, that makes sense, and, and I, it, it, it's I, I don't mean to you know, cast such a pall on the at the start of the show, but you know, people need to know that he's still that fighter that he always was, and I don't think he ever will be until he does take his last breath. He, that won't change, but he's you know he, he it's time, Andy. There comes a time when um, you know it's actually just okay to be sad. Like you don't yeah. want to when we we come down, we we get together, whatever the three ball is that does. Inside the ropes, we want to sit here and have a bit of fun and talk about the game that we love and the controversies that it bowls up and the great performances that we want to, you know, enthuse about. But every now and again, Stace and Hazy, something happens in life that um, is what it is. And you, you just got to accept the fact that it's sad and it's okay for a little while to be sad about it. You know, what we, at various levels, have got to know him and... It, it, it's you're lying to the human condition if you don't acknowledge the fact that yeah you know, we're all suffering a bit here yeah. and none more so than his bride and his immediate family and Lucy who's old enough to know what the old man's going through. Um, it's okay to be sad about that, and I'm sure people listening to this show feel a connection to Jared Lyle, whether they just spectated on the telly or been on the other side of the ropes or played a pro-am with him or been to a sporty that he's been at or whatever way, shape or form. They've listened to an interview with him on radio, uh, whatever way, shape or form. This is the one thing that's been remarkable about Jared Lyle. He allows people to feel connected to him. And I think that's a great gift. Um, it's a gift that is going to be taken away from him, uh, obviously. but And from us. And from us. Yeah, I think true. It's- you know that gift is what makes him so appealing to the Australian sensibility is mm. that he engages you like you are his best mate. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he wants to hear your story. He wants to tell you a joke. He he's he'll remember you when he next sees you. He'll 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 do all that stuff, and still does. I shouldn't talk past mm. tense. He, he still does. Mm. You know. Um, Hell on that last, we don't know. But uh, look, he, he, I think, Andy, that he cuts across different spectrums. Like he's not just a golfer and he's not just a, um, you know, a father. He's not just a cancer, cancer survivor. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's a, he's a role model for so many people. He's, um, he's an example of how you use social media to inform you, you know, the masses. He, he's, 
everything to a lot of people. Not everything. He's a lot of things to a lot of people. And there aren't many like that. Um, so The way they've done things on social media, it really feels like yeah. that's that's how they have so many so much support. You know, Briar keeping everybody informed on how things are yep. going. I mean, it's it's been great. You feel like you're on the journey as well. As, and he is, he's helped so many other sufferers oh, yeah. because of that, because of the way they've been so open about it all. Uh, from, yeah. from the next bed in Royal Melbourne Hospital to far-flung reaches of Canada. He's in touch with people constantly who've, who've um, yeah. read his battle, witnessed mm. his battle, uh, not just this one. And, um, you know, he stayed in touch with them. I don't know how he does all that stuff. Um, <laughs> well, he told a few stories the last time he was in yeah. on Inside the Ropes. Yeah, true. About yeah. that guy in Canada. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of bad crap that happens, Andy, on social media. Um, but when you see it, the work, the way it has today, I uh, I wrote the story that has been sitting on the golf.org.au website since basically midnight on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Eastern time, um, and tweeted it out. And I know that impressions aren't the measuring stick of everything, but that that tweet has been seen by over 300,000 people as we record, where are we, 15 hours later. Mm. That's huge reach. That's unbelievable. And, and it's not to do with Golf Australia or definitely not the author. That's to do with Jared Lyle um, and how many people he's touched. So, yeah. you know, obviously we don't have 300,000 followers. It's just people want to share his news and, and be part of his life. And, I, you know, he, he, he will be eternally grateful for that. So there's um, you and Marty Blake. You know, regular participant, one of the family here at Inside the Ropes, have been writing the Jared Lyle book, Hazy. Um, and on Tuesday, um, you know, prior to Bry releasing the news that, you know, we're now talking about, you were in by Jared Lyle's bed in hospital, yeah. spending time with the family uh, as a friend and also, um, you know, a bit of a confidant. Um, you recorded the interview that you did for the book with Jared Lyle, that must have been, I know you've got a bit of that, that with the family's permission, you know, we're going to play, which is going to be particularly challenging for a lot of people, but we feel like it's pretty important that we, that we hear it. Um, that must've been a very difficult day. I imagine being in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it still is. Yeah. Uh, To be taken in to the most intimate of situations by anyone is great privilege, and immense yep. privilege. And yep. uh, you know, it, it's in some ways it's the best of humanity that they actually allow me to do that. Mm. Briar rang and said, "You know, I think today is probably as good a day as any we've got coming up right now to come and do the last interview in inverted commas for the book." Mm. And um, so you go down and you ask questions and I was surrounded by some family members and we were all crying, uh, steady streams. And I did two little sessions of recording, Andy, and he ended both with zingers. Hmm. <laughs> I can't, re I couldn't possibly break confidence and tell you what no, he no. said, but oh, my God, oh, I've, yeah. to, to when you've got, liters of tears streaming down your eyes and, and he just drops something that you'll never forget and you 
it, it was it's priceless and it's Jared Lyle um look this uh, I'm sorry this is really hard for me today you, 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 we're setting up to play this interview, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so this was part of the book interview, and the book's meant to be, it was always hoped that it would be autobiographical. And clearly now that's impossible, um, or it will be impossible. Um, so I'm not sure what turn the book takes, and I hope people stay, stick with us, and it could be a bit jumpy when we do it. It's just going to be one of those things because there's a lot of personal stories from his voice at the moment and then it turns into it will by default turn into something different at the end um we're yet to figure that out but in recording some of it last night i i asked him the question what he would like to say to all the people who around the world who've uh, lent such a um beautiful part of the 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 Lyle narrative in the last few years, six years in particular, uh, and what they mean to him and how he'll remember them and what he'd like to say to them. And I, I, look, it's, it was for the book. Mm-hmm. But when we left the room and Brian and I had a big chat and Jared agreed later. with And so with their express permission, I want to stress that because you know, Andy, that I've um, I've battled with what to do with this Absolutely, little mate. bit of audio. Absolutely, a long for, time talking about it. Yep. Yeah, for the better part of the day here. And um, sorry, this I don't want to make this at all sound about me, but it's it's really confronting to me to you know break a confidence, and I want to stress to people that um, it's not. Mm. But this is at Bry's request because Bry has run out of words to express what's going on in the Lyle household. She's done such an amazing job. I, I could not be more praise. I couldn't give more praise to a woman for being so brave and eloquent and just stellar as a human being. And she wants us to play this audio and to answer that question, Jared, what would you say to all the people who've given you so much thanks and well wishes? I feel like I'm the luckiest golfer going around because so many people took an interest in me and and took an interest in my, I guess, my fight. You know, and to have so many friends around the world with the spectators, with the golfers, with the marshals, whatever, to have that kind of support to go to every tournament is a great feeling. And it's going to be hard to leave that behind, but they know that I love them. They know that all the fighting that I did do was to get back out and play golf again. And, you know, to have the support from all those people was was just a, just a tremendous feeling. You know, and it's, it's going to be hard, but at some point it's going to happen and... and They'll get on with their lives. And it's just, yeah, I just feel very, very lucky. So that is, uh, that's we've, we've, that's hard to listen to. It's um, harrowing. It's real. Um, and it's a message to everybody who's shown an interest in the Lyle story and a connection to the individual. 
Very hard to listen to that, Stace. It's, uh, that's that's very confronting. Mm. Um, and I guess it just shows who he is as well. I mean, he's he's thanking us. Oh, like, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, thanks to him. You know. Yeah. That's, that's actually really well said, mm. Stace. I mean, here he is thinking of others. Uh, or at the time, he'd excuse him for thinking of no one but himself. Uh, He's still know, thinking of others. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it's really interesting to hear him say, Andy, I've listened to that back a few times because I just can't believe it. But he also talks about, you know, not only the top end of town, but he talks about that he referenced the marshals. Mm, he did. Yep. Uh, yep. Like, of know, course he did. Who else? Of course he did. Who else thinks about the marshals? Yeah, of course. Um, and there's so many stories today that on social media and on radio and everything like that have come forward. Or, you know, he helped me at this clinic or... He came and visited my daughter in hospital or he, you know, I saw him at this program and he gave me some awesome tips and, I, I, you know, there's no stories like that of Tiger Woods. Well, I can let people in. Uh, we, we, we've pre-recorded the interview that we're, we're not too far away from playing with John Senden and the assistance that Jared Lyle gave the Senden family when they hit a major hurdle about 18 months ago speaks volumes to Jared Lyle, and you'll hear it in the voice of John Sennon when we speak to him, just how profoundly important that connection to Jacob Sennon um, was Jared Lyle. I mean, it's you'll hear that, you'll hear it soon. So, God, we've gone 53 episodes without a tearjerker, Andy. Yeah, no, well, it's just hard to, it's hard to not be, you know, have a human reaction to this one, I think. So, and I don't think anyone listening is going to be, um, terribly upset with the fact that we are just pretty upset. Uh, you know what you going? I was just going to say, you know, there's been a lot of people who are moved and they don't know what to do. Uh, so talk, seek help if you need mm, to, mm. Um, professional or just with your mates, um, you know, talking guys and girls. But if you want to do something, I can I commend you to the challenge. Spot on charity which is so dear to Jared's heart and Rob Allenby now and before him as well uh, challenge.org.au make a donation in Jared's name um, well to that end yeah, please. to that end there's details will probably have emerged by the time you're listening to this but um, they've got the, the, the remaining stock of the Luke the Duck head, drop, covers. head covers uh, they're going to find themselves at clubs all around Australia on Saturday week, okay. um, they're going to try and clear the stock. So if you see one at your club, buy it. If you want to make a donation, buy it. Um, if they get sold out, $150,000 finds its way straight to the Lyle family. And Dave Rogers, who's a power of a force of a human being, uh, from Challenge, who's deeply connected to the Lyle family and has been for quite some time. He and a group of his mates, and there'll be details on how to contribute to this soon, but they are going to put a trust fund together uh, that they are aiming to um, raise half a million dollars that will be put into that trust fund for the Lyle girls, Lucy and Gemma. So details will come to hand about that. Keep an eye, as Hazy rightly says, on challenge.org.au because the details will clearly be posted um, and signposted on, on that website. Um, but there's... And through 
golf.org.au. Of course, we'll keep everyone up to date as best we can. And I'm and I'm I'm assuming and I'm sure that the same will apply on PGA's website too. So PGA.org.au. So. It's time we rallied. If know. he was here right now, he'd say, right, enough about me. Let's talk some golf. So let's talk some golf. Good point. Um, focus must turn to the women's game this week. The Women's British Open is clearly, even with the WGC event on the cards this week, it is the standout. has to be. It Major. Be. Of course yeah. it is. Of Royal Lytham. The now, course that I hadn't played any. So we we finally I was confused when we walked away last week. We finally got to the we, we got to the bottom of that, right? Yes, no, I hadn't played Royal Lytham, yes. So we're gonna to speak to Ellie Whitaker in a moment about you know, how the course is presenting. Is it gonna be in the same sort of nick as Carnoustie? We know they've had a really warm summer over in the UK. Uh what's the is the course gonna be playing short? What's the weather gonna be like? We'll find out when we get to Elle in a moment. But I was actually uh, just on that note on course uh, condition and stuff, I was talking with uh, Catherine Kirk this morning and she's saying it's an absolute beast and she goes if you give me even par right now I'll take it is that wow. right yes okay no yeah no good jokes intel. there good intel yeah so so th- that is interesting it's gonna so, it'll, it'll, yeah. t- it'll be a test of mind as much as technique and skill if it's going to be that tough not yeah. not having your head come off at shoulders yeah if the conditions are difficult and then and Sue o also said uh, she, she said this was over a text something about Pop bunkers just everywhere and oh. right in where I hit it. Right. right. In where I hit it. Okay. And this, <laughs> is, and this is the course famously where Adam Scott could have hit just about any other stick in the bag and stuck it in a bunker. And he and, found one of those. And yeah. you know, obviously cost him his probably his best shot at an open championship title on the men's side of things. Um, Andy, I'm sure, and I'm sure Ali will talk about Kari when we get to her in a minute, but Kari Webb. Unbelievable. Oh, like, to me, as much as I don't want to say it, she's not a force in the majors that happen in the United States. But she she is, for all her part-timeness this year, she's a contender this week, Absolutely. Stace. I mean, last week, her, her best finish probably since the Scottish last year. Yeah. Um, finished 11th last week. A Lynx powerhouse. Absolutely. And she, I know that she loves that style of golf. Oh, I, I, yeah. Wouldn't that be a story if yeah. she was the one who actually got up and got into it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and she's not going to lose control. Like, she's, she won't be hypertense. She's not going to – her world does not revolve around – uh, winning this week. She's won back in 2002, I think it was, won her previous British Open. But Nice stat there, Andy. It was, I think I've, got, I've probably got it wrong. And someone <laughs> will point it out. Um, just dredging that up from somewhere. But she goes in comfortable in her life. You know, yep. the, the hardcore days of competing for her are past her, but you know her. I mean, I mean she still comp- plays She still plays with as much intensity and stuff. But I think off the course, you know, she's much more relaxed about things. So, so in the end, that that's got to help. So g- give us the likelihood of her, from your perspective, being somewhere in the mix at some stage. I a hundred percent think so, and, it, and she showed it last week too. Yep. Um, How get, awesome! Yeah, she, I yeah, I is, definitely I I rate her a high chance next week. This in a sport where yeah, the women's side of things is you know, littered with stories of sixteen, eighteen, twenty-year-olds dominating, them, and still are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Carrie, but you're on the wrong side. <laughs> so there's a four in front of a number there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And she's right among it. And yep. I think it speaks volumes of why she's our best ever golfer, that she can do exactly this. Go over there on bugger all practice by her standards and contend. Or game prep anyway. Game prep, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and contend 
because you got to think about your shots. You got to make shots. You don't just blast away. And and you know that's the, that's the golf you you girls grew up playing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Especially awesome. from down here. At a time when the depth in women's golf is at an all time high, oh, it's yeah. not yeah. as if she's going over there and there's only three or four players that she's got to contend with. There are dozens oh, and yeah. dozens and dozens of women now. Who can win? Having said that, the winner in Scotland was Araya Jitanagan. No, she, it wasn't. It's no. Go on. It was Area. Yeah. Area. If you, if we get Ellie on here and you're calling her Araya, she'll hang up. It's Area. Is it Area? Oh it's my area. God! Okay. Yeah. It's area. But we can't. Uh, we can't forget Minji. Can well, we? that's where I was leading. Let's to. Uh, oh. let's not forget about Minji coming well, what second. A, what, a, what a season she's put in together, oh. Stace. How's the consistency? Ridiculous. Hey? What's the stats on that one, Andy? What's she got? got? In front oh. of me, but I, Ali we, will give it. Yeah, Ali will she'll give have it. Him. She'll have them. She'll have them. I've got them. Okay, how many top oh. tens? Well, she she won in Victoria. She was second in Canberra. She was seventh in in Adelaide. Then went overseas. She's had uh, two more runner-up finishes now. Another third and a victory. <laughs> and I, she, That's unbelievable. So I, That's an ATM, it, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. is. And she's missed yep. one cut and she's finished outside the top 30 twice wow. for the year. And Top 30. I mean, you make bank a big check on the LPGA if you finish top 30. Mm. Um, and the only other person who's remotely doing that is Aria. So she's got almost an identical record, but her wins haven't been in the Vic Open. They've been in the US Open and the Scottish mm. Open. Yep. So her money... Tally is massive. Broke through the two million US barrier the other day, Jatanaga. Did you know that? No, I didn't Jeez, know that. In July. In July. Still got six months to go. It used to be a phenomenal thing to reach there at all, and it was only right at the end of the season. She had two million dollars already. The two of them, Minji and Area, uh, or the other way around, Area and Minji are so far out in front in their race to the CME Globe on the LPGA Tour, which is the equivalent of the yep. FedEx Cup. Yep. It's extraordinary. They're so consistent. Wow. How are they? How are them for stats? How are that's, them their stats? That's you wanted fair. stats. And, you wanted stats. And he has got nothing written down, Andy. No. How is that? <laughs> that's impressive. That. I've got notebook here. I've got, yeah. yeah, gigantic brain of his. <laughs> All right, let's find out how Litherman St. Anne's is setting itself up for the Women's British Open this week. Our champion on the spot is Alison Whitaker, who's going to be... Uh, now, what are you doing, Al? Uh, welcome to the show. Are you actually hosting the coverage or you're... And on the course, before you tell us about conditions, what what are your duties over there this weekend? Um, well, there's three productions actually going on this weekend. So you've got the Golf Channel crew with all of their vans, and you've got the Sky guys from the UK with all of their vans, and then pretty much anyone that's not in the UK or the US will be watching us on the world feed. So I think it's just New Zealand, Australia, and Germany. <laughs> well, that's what we'll be watching. We look forward to hearing your dulcet tones. So who's got the who's who's got the biggest stick in the fight? Is is it the Golf Channel setup or the Sky Boys? Who who's got the who's got the more impressive gear out there? Do you reckon? Um, well, I think the Golf Channel have the box on eighteen, which always looks super fancy. But I do love the Sky Zone <laughs> that they have on the range, and they get players, and they pass players through the range, and get them to. It kind of, uh, you know, low, low draws or what do you have to do out of a pop bunker? They kind of walk them through that. So it's almost like a tutorial in the middle of the golf coverage, which I think is pretty dynamic. So um, that's going to be fun to watch, um, uh, especially, I guess, when we get to watch it through social media channels, sadly. But um, Henny Goya, who is uh, one of the former LNT players, she's uh, a real dynamic part of that, actually. She's fantastic. So 
looking forward to, to seeing her work and working kind of semi alongside her this week. But I've got Aussie Sandy McKenzie who'll be out on course for our production. So you'll awesome. hear some familiar voices. Awesome. Which would be cool. Ellie, uh, you know, we sat wide eyed and watched the open at Canoosti and you know, and obviously we watched Gullen last week with the women and the courses are just, you know, rugged and brutal and they can bite you or you can play good golf and shoot well like Minji and area area you hear that area uh we've had a couple of issues uh what are we gonna what are we gonna (laughs) what are we gonna see at Lytham and St Anne's well you know looking back in previous years um when we had the Scottish Open at Dundonald and then it went it went to Kings Barnes last year and eight of the top 10 at Kings Barnes for the Open had actually played in the week before. And I think there's probably going to be, if anything, maybe a stronger correlation um, this year because the two courses are far more similar than yeah. they were in 2017. Um, last last week at Gullen, it's kind of a, a Lynx course that's been put on a hill, um, just to give you an idea. So Lynx courses are usually relatively flat. And so if you raised up, a Lynx course and kind of built a mountain underneath it, that's Gullen. And then we're back on a, a, a an essentially flat piece of property now um, with Royal Lytham. So um, lots of pot bunkers. Like, it's kind of the classic Lynx course. Um, and I think that really brings out a lot of creativity from, from a few of the players. But there's a couple of kind of key things they're going to have to do to play well here, in my opinion. Um, and what, what, what might they be? The yeah, other, than, other than that, what else? Um, well, to be honest with you, usually I think that most Lynx courses set up well for low ball flighters, um, just to keep it low under the wind. There's not usually a lot of carries over bunkers into the greens and that kind of thing. So you saw that last week. You can chase a lot of golf balls up through the kind of the front opening to most greens. So you can kind of get away with not having a, a high soft ball flight. But it's a little bit different here um, at Royal Lytham because it's, there's actually a lot of greens that are raised up and a lot of collection areas and almost semi-upturned saucer greens, which isn't really that kind of uh, quintessential links that you might have in your mind. But there's, there's a few of them out there that might trip up some players that kind of come in with a super low ball flight. So ideally, um, I have to say, I mean, I've got a couple of favourites. If I'm, I'm just going to throw them out there just to, just to you know, put them in the mix. I'm sure you guys have your picks. I'd love to know what they are. As long as they've got an Aussie uh, flag next to it, I'm okay with it, Al. <laughs> well, um, in terms of an Aussie selection, it's going to be very hard to go go anywhere but Minji um, after her performance next week. She hit an epic part on the last hole. She just misread it. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> I have to admit, uh, we, we, I have one of those commentary moments where I'd read the part before she stepped up to it. And I was like, oh, you know, if anything, right edge. And then I looked up and she was aiming left. Oh, why I didn't thought, you stop oh, her, no. Whitaker? Well, I thought I'd read it wrong <laughs> because I, tr- I trust her in the moment rather than me in the commentary box, <laughs> 100%. And, uh, and then she hit it left edge and it missed. So, you know, she did a lot of things except get the ball in the hole on that final day. And she, and she played great as well. So it wasn't yeah, like still another great finish, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, well under par. So, Ellie, Ellie, um, before you move she, on from that, can I ask you a question? The, oh, yeah. Her putt on the thirteenth green. I've watched it sixty-five times and still can't figure out how it didn't go in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we had we had a lot of that during during the final round where I was trying to work out why her putts weren't going in because she was she was hitting good putts um, and she's such a 
it's such a prodigious ball striker in pretty much every category that um, is the putts are dropping, she usually wins. That's what her coach, Richie Smith, has said that time and time again. That if the putts are going in, she, she might walk away with the trophy. So I do actually really genuinely like her chances around here. But tell me what your picks are. So outside, okay, I'll, I'll go. Give away all my answers. Outside of the Australian flags, I'm, going, I'm tipping Georgia Hall. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Played well last year. Yeah, good. Yeah. Had two top tens coming into uh, coming into the the majors last year as well, so she's a she's a great choice. Yeah, she's my pick. What about you two? Um, uh, what about Tiff? Al? great couple of rounds last week. Do you think? Uh, how do you think she can bring that over after qualifying oh, as well? Yeah, Californian Tiff Joe. She she had quite a long day on Monday. Yeah, uh, didn't she? What out at she was out at six forty. In the qualifier AM. After a four-hour she... uh, drive on Sunday night. <laughs> exactly. Plus four hours sleep. Um, and plus, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's usually what she functions off anyway. <laughs> but um, she she ends up in a, I think it was a 12-way playoff. Yeah, uh, for the last. Around the... about mm. 8 p.m. at night. Wow. So she was there the entire day. <laughs> Um, she had no car, <laughs> no way of going anywhere anyway. Yeah, okay. But she literally just sat around all day. So she's had, she's had a pretty big week, but um, her form last week was really good. I think if you get a little nervous off the tee, which I think we saw a little bit more, but maybe from Tiff on the third round at Dullin. Yeah, we've not um, been in a position like that before. You know, she's she's uh, she'll only learn from that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well, it's, it's just more about. I think confidence off the tee, given the wind here, because there's so many, like there's a lot of dog legs left where the wind is off the left. So there's a couple of quite awkward tee shots that you're going to have to be really kind of bullish, I think, in terms of your lines off the tee. So um, I loved watching her perform well. Obviously, she's a good friend of mine. But, um, I, I mean... Hazy, are you going to chime in with yours? Yeah, well, I like Minji. Uh, let's get that on the record. But if I can't have the flag, then I'm going to, going to go for Carlotta Saganda. Yes, and, definitely. Uh, and ah. it, was, it was a strange – I'm not sure if you've heard of this woman before, um, but Aria someone? <laughs> I, I can't remember her last name. I just know Aria. <laughs> and I don't think we can go past our own uh, Curry Webb, can we, Elle? After some good form oh, last three, week. Three-time champion. Yeah, and uh, loves the wind, loves the Lynx-style golf. I think it's hard to go past her as well. That's oh, not me being biased either. That's picking with my head, not my heart. Yeah, a little bit. One of the things I love about what's going on with, with Webby at the moment is she's actually, despite playing a very limited schedule, this will be her eighth event of the season um, this year, she actually has a fantastic caddy on the bag in Peter Godfrey. And I know, Stace, you know you know Peter quite well, but he was on the bag for uh, Lydia Ko. He was on the bag for Eri Jutanagam when she uh, won, I want to say, three of her five wins back in 2016. Yep. Um, English bloke, but just a really good presence on the golf course for her. So she's, she's really lucked out getting a caddy of that calibre. Um, given that she's not actually playing that she's, much. Yeah, so. with a limited schedule, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a good point. So who are you tipping, Al? Well, I, I've got a few. I think my dark horse that people might not really know about, and she does have an Aussie connection, is Jin Young Ko. Yes. So Jin Young's currently leading the LPGA Rookie of the Year race. Um, she's got Dean Hurden on the back. Ah, Australian Dean Hurden. And he's a wealth of knowledge. Um, if you ever want to talk 
literally anything inside the last 50 years of golf, go find Dean. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, I mean, if you're looking at anything that Inby Park is teeing up in, I don't think she's going to play a whole lot throughout the, the rest of the year. Um, so she wants, if she's playing, she's here because she wants to win. Okay. Um, I saw her out in the practice round yesterday. Again, another Aussie on the bag, Brad Beecher. There's a, there's a theme here. I think I'm pretty biased, actually. <laughs> You're respecting anyway, the flag, so, which yeah. I like. That's good. Yeah, definitely. Well, Indy Park, Eriji Tanagan, you could, you'd be hard to bet against her. But In Kyung Kim as well, she played here. Uh, when it was last held in 2009, she's last year's champion. And, uh, and she finished, I think, inside the top 20 last time. She came out, actually, about two weeks ago, played Royal Lytham. She didn't have her clubs, which has been a common theme for her this year. And um, she shot 67 around Royal Lytham with a set of rentals. That's unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. That makes you feel sick in the guts, yeah, it does. somebody doing that. Um, oh, no. I know. I think about physical harm, but then I remember that she's a friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you got any others that we need to know about before we – I just – because we haven't – you've said, you know, a couple of things you've got to do right, but we'd heard reports that – the course was in, you know, kind of pretty brutal setup. Is that true? Uh, it, it's not going to be easy. Um, looking in particular at the final four holes, um, so 15 through 18 on Sunday, it's not going to be one of those golf courses where you see someone necessarily go birdie, birdie finish for the glory. It, this is like a golf course where you put your seatbelt on for the final finish and you just hope that what you do is enough. Really, um, okay. you go through those four holes in even par, and you are only going to gain shots on the field. And you just got to hit it around Adam Scott's skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. Oh no, the <laughs> girls will have learnt from that. Yeah. Out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be. Um, we'll be watching and we'll be listening to your magnificent coverage across the pictures. We're going to be getting back here. We can't wait. It's. Uh, it is the championship that we're looking forward to most this weekend, um, and we can't wait. We all think that we're going to have an Australian in the mix somewhere down the stretch. You know, history will tell us that, on, Webby. That, that one of them will be there when the whips are cracking. Uh, let's hope you're there to see one of them boot at home. Al, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, go and eat the oh, kippers and the black guys. pudding for brekkie, and we'll speak to you later. Sounds great. Good on you. Thanks, Ali. Alison Whitaker joining us on Inside the Ropes. Uh, a lot to look forward to. We'll get a break out of the way. Oh, no, there's a couple of other, uh, before we get to the break, a couple of other Australian girls we need to make note of, Stace, before we get to the break. Yes, we were going to touch on uh, the Symmetra Tour. Yes, we were. Stephanie Nah had her best finish uh, of the year, third place, and it was uh, a bit of a drama-filled uh, weekend for Steph, actually. Big rain delays. It got cut back to 36 holes. Things got pushed back late. She missed. She was going to do final qualifying for the British Open. She missed flights, couldn't get another one, so couldn't get to the British Open. Theory, mate. Wow. Yeah, so, well, couldn't get to the qualifying. Yeah. But, but big, uh, yeah, big dramas. But, uh, yeah, got her best place for good the finish. So, third finish. Really good finish. Great, great for Steph and really hope she can roll with that because she, I mean, she'd probably be the first to admit she, she hasn't had the best of seasons. Mm. So let's hope she can finish strong on that. And tell us about Karis. Also, yes, yeah. Karis uh, in Japan the last few weeks has had some really solid results. Um, Karis Davidson. Karis Davidson playing on the ladies' Japanese tour. Um, yeah, she's had a eighth and a fourth place recently. So, and she's positioned, I think, maybe forty second or so this week on the money list. So, awesome, really solid uh, rookie season.
outstanding work. Really good. Uh, let's get a break out of the way. Inside the Ropes, you're listening to, when we come back, John Sendon to join us. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. G'day guys, I'm Scott Hend. I'm around the world playing golf everywhere, but when I can, I'll publish them to Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show, Inside the Ropes. Uh, difficult week, obviously, and a man who's known uh, from a family perspective, his challenges in the last couple of years is one of Australia's finest international players, 47 years young he is now. He's back with the clubs in hand, having had to deal with some you know, really serious personal issues. Of course, I talk about John Sendon, who joins us on the show. John, thanks so much for joining us on the program. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here today with you guys and uh, great to talk to you guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's good, to, as you said, it's good to have the club back in hand. How does it feel to be uh, back in the swing of things? Yeah, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. And, um, you know, as you know, with, uh, you know, Jacob, my son Jacob, who was 13 at the time, he uh, he got diagnosed with a, a malignant brain tumor, which was basically life-threatening at the time. And, um you know, once we found out exactly what the details were with uh, with Jacob, we had to go through a series of uh, chemotherapies and radiation to try and get him, uh, you know, back in uh, back in shape. So, and um, you know, so yeah, but um, but no, things are things have sort of uh, been been positive, and um, you know, so it really is uh, it really is sort of like a still a bit of a challenge for him now and for the rest of his life just to try and stay healthy and um, and with things a little bit better than they were back in 17 I was unable to make some decisions about playing the game again so uh, back out there on the PGA Tour and uh, and uh, trying to uh, trying to get the same feels back it's kind of like tricky but anyway we're, we're getting there just one last on Jacob because I don't want to talk about it for too long Sendo but is he well yeah. he's just you know he's well in his world and, and you know living life fully uh, yeah, look, Hazy, he is in a position right now where where he had a... The brain tumour was actually blocking the fluid, which was actually then distributed back down through the top of the brain and into the brain stem and down, and that gets down and absorbed by the by the body. Um, and that was, that was the initial, uh, you know, the, the whole initial symptoms of headache feelings and, and really discomfort. So once they found out they ha- they found out that this particular uh, the MRI through the MRI was basically you know had to go through two surgeries to actually get this whole thing um, sorted out. And we got the first one was uh, getting the you know the fluid off the brain, which took away the headache straight away, and then biopsy, which was the next one. So um, but once that happened, it was in a lot better place. And then yeah. they knew that from that point on. He had to go through the series of chemotherapies and uh, radiation treatments, which were um, which went from like April 2017 right through to uh, you know November 2017. So at the moment he is in a better place, but um, you know it's still in there. It's gone from possibly like the size of your thumbnail down to sort of size of your uh, a little bit smaller than your pinky pinky fingernail. So. Probably produced about, you know, re, you know, reduced about seventy five percent 
awesome. And, awesome. Uh, now... Yeah, so now it's a, a case of management rather than getting it out because they can't really just go and pick it out because of the quality of life. And, um, you know, there's diff- very sort of difficult complications if they go in there and just try and get it out. Sure. So he's got to manage it now for the rest of his time. So. He, and he's just a little rock star. I know everyone around the PGA Tour <laughs> loves him and to see him outside the ropes watching you play is just one yeah. of the most heartwarming things you can ever see. So we... You know, please yeah. give him and Jackie all, all our love about this, especially, mate, today, and we have to ask you about this, unfortunately, on a day when we yeah. learn so much about Jared Lyle. Um, it must really hit hard for you. Yeah, it is hard, and especially when, you know, when someone has been such, you know, you know a giver of, of friendship and, uh, you know, in such, such a, in, a, in, a, in a position where he is, such a fighter and he loves his family he's got you know the daughters and um Bryony is just so together and strong to try and get jared healthy again and it's just such a sad thing that the that you get a, a person gets so much treatment and and uh has so much going on in their body that the body just starts to shut down and i don't know the full details but it's very very difficult and uh to know that he has actually had to go on through that three times with leukemia and also try and come out of it at the other end and be healthy. And it's just tough to see that, you know, the body just doesn't want to work it anymore. And um, it's a tough deal for his family and Bryony and the girls. And now he's just trying to find some peace to try and get his um, his young daughters and Bryony through this whole situation and forever going forward. So we're really saddened. I, I remember when, um, you know, playing golf with Jared a few times and uh, got to know him a little bit. And um, and he was just, you know, in such full life and just, you know, just and one of the most, you know, unbelievable persons you ever want to meet. And um, But also he was one of the first persons to reach out when... Um, when, when Jacob got sick, yeah. and that was, you know, April 2017, and he gave him... You know, so much support. It was it was amazing. So, you know, I can't. I, I just feel that you know, Jacob is just. You know, it's been an inspiration for Jacob to know that Jared has been on his side, and know that you know that his heart is so huge that he has just given Jacob the strength as well. And as much strength as Jared's got, I mean, it's just quite it's quite unimaginable that you know to make a 13 year old boy just latch on and understand fully what he's gone through as well and um, unless it hits your own family you never understand and I can, can't imagine what's going through their minds right now and because we sort of felt that you know it worked out positively at the moment for Jacob but you know with Jared it was just a never-ending never-ending battle and it's just so sad to see guy having to be dealt with that for his whole, for over half of his life. It's just, it's just really crazy. And, um, but, you know, we stand here today and just salute Jared for how strong he is for how he has just battled and battled and battled. You know, not for himself, yeah. his family. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because he's giving back his life to make sure that other people are okay. And that is so strong. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's just warming, and to know that that's what his, that's what his heart is about, and he knows that he's going to go 
a why in knowing that. You know what I mean? It's just it's just really wicked. And um, you know, and we're in such a better place because we've known Jared, especially with what Jake has been through. And um, golf's golf. You know what I mean? It's, it's all it is is what we do. But life's so different. And knowing Jared has just <clears throat> excuse me helped out so much for what um, you know what we've been through because he understands and Jacob understands what his own body's gone through because it's hit our family pretty hard too but it's just you know we're all in it together almost that's what we feel and um, you know we're just trying to sort of get our head around you know what what the Lyle family is going through and it's so difficult. Gee, you said that beautifully, yeah, John. Well like uh, magnificent um, words, and you're 100 percent right. What What have you learnt about? Um, you, you knew about Jared Lyle already, and you probably have learned things about your own family through the ordeal that you've yeah. been through. But, mate, what have you learned about the community that you're part of? You know, the Rubik's the Rubik's yeah. um, cube patches that the players wore for yeah. you. You know, the yellow hats and the Luke the duck that has become a symbol of you know Jared's fight. What have you learned yeah. about the golfing community that you're such a part of? Yeah, well, you know, it's the PGA Tour and the Australian PGA Tour and all the golfing community, you know, uh, have got so, just got behind us so much. And um, we've realised that, that people are good. You know what I mean? People mm-hmm. really care. You know what I mean? When, and it's, you know, sometimes it's sort of like, you know, when you sort of something happens or something someone gets hurt or someone is sick and it takes you know something to happen for to the people who get behind you but always it happens you know to a fact that people are so good and they care and they want to know they want to know all they want to do is just get on the phone to you and just say hey you know how are you going well that's all they need to say with the people and to know that for the people that are sick or the families that are going through it, they just want to know that, you know, that, that the people care. And people do care. The amount of people that have reached out, I'm sure, to Jared over the time and the people that have reached out to us. Um, and I still get the comments when I'm out there playing. I was in Canada last week at the John Deere Classic the week, two weeks before. And it's like, you know, for someone that doesn't see you for a while, um, you know, you sort of, they say to you, how's your boy? You know, what's, what's, what's the latest? Mm. All this sort of stuff. Because people care. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's like, you know, a lot of people care. You know, we had a little charity day for Jacob last year at my home club at Capera. And there was, the room was full. There yeah. was like, you know, 350 people there. You know what I mean? And, and that was just amazing. And, you know, every time you turned up to, um, I haven't turned up to the Australian tournament just yet, but, um, you know, especially the PGA Tour, they all out there reaching out and, um, you know, getting phone calls from people that you haven't spoke to in 10 years, you know what I mean? Or people that you don't expect to be hear from, they call you up and say, hey, you know, how are you going? It's sad to hear what happened, but, you know, if you need anything, we're here to help. You know, you know, one of the amazing people, you know, that we all look up to in our whole life and um, on the Australian golf community was Greg Norman. Greg Norman reached out to me and said, you know, hey, we're really, really sad to hear what happened to Jacob. But the next question was, you know, how's he going? Mm. What's happening? You know what I mean? And that's just like, you know, and, you know, it's the top of the top sometimes that, that reach out and ask you, you know, all they ask you is just how things are going. How are you? You know, 
So I want to know how you feel, and you tell your story, and uh, and it's, I'm really glad to be able to share my story with you guys today on the radio. It's like it's good to to let people know what other people think of the whole situation, and they call you up and they and they care about it, and they want to know, and because it's serious, it's life threatening, and it's not just playing golf and have a chat about golf. It's the life, and uh, and you know, and it's it's going to be it's going to be ongoing for Jacob for the rest of his life. It's not out of there. It's still in the middle of his brain, and it can't be. It can't. They can't get rid of it because it's growing out of one of these a gland called the pineal gland, and that is serious. They can't just dig it out. And the reason if they do dig it out and, and touch that uh, gland or that nervous area, um, it's going to be a factors of it could be permanent blindness. It could be loss of memory. Jeez. It could be brain dysfunctionality, all this crazy stuff. That's why we've been so blessed with also the children's medical hospital system over here and the you know the, the oncology team and the, the neurosurgeon that got in there had the belief that he could go in there and just take a biopsy, take a piece out. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know what I mean? And here's a guy... The neurosurgeon said, you know, told us what he's going to do, and he's saving my son's life. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? And it's and that's what and that's what people do. This, you know, it is. It's just unreal. And uh, I'm so thankful and grateful for the people and the smart people in our that are surrounding us. Mm. You guys, the tour, family, friends—they're all there, and they've all been unbelievable to us. You can hear the, help us through this situation exactly. You can hear the emotion and, in your uh, voice, Sendo. It's it's pretty touching, yeah. and, and um, you know, it is. It uh, is. It's real. Yeah. It is real, and we, we didn't know anything about it until it hits home and it hits your own family. And it, and um, and I know that you know you've probably got some other you know with people listening to say that it's affected their lives, you know, because it's their own family. You don't know how much it affects them until it affects your own. And mm. It's crazy. Yeah, but you know what? He's in a better place right now, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, with prayers and friends and family and support, that uh, he can keep continuing that way. When you finish yeah. with us in ten or fifteen minutes here, Sendo, please, um, you know, let Jacob know that he's got a whole country, his his own country here, yeah. pulling for him too. Uh, so we've already felt that. From Australia and, and, uh, and the support that's come back. We, I've been back a couple of times now to Australia, and the, you know, the people that come to you and just put your arms around you and just, you know, and just know that they're in full support, and it's just, it's, it's great. You know what I mean? It's just great because we know that they're there, we know that they care, and um, and that has so much helped the situation at hand to, you know, to, to move on, to move forward, and just you know, to make good decisions on what we need to do in our lives, and uh, especially for Jacob, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's, a, he's a fighter. He's a fighter like Jared. I, I don't think that any adult can go through what he goes through sometimes and yeah. be, be given the full, serious treatment. I mean, it was just amazing. And um, and to watch him, and uh, it was tough to watch, but, you know, he came out the other end, and, you know, he, just, he was a battler and he was a fighter, like, you know, just exactly how Brother Jared did it, and he did it for, you know, he tried to do it for himself. But I, I believe more importantly for his own family, and 
and his, and his closest friends and that sort of business. So it's, it's crazy. John, it feels kind of trivial asking you about <clears throat> golf, you know, after all of this, because, you know, the stuff that you're talking about is, you know, big ticket, real life, you know, right yeah. at the core of what we're doing on this planet. But it, so let me ask you, let me catch it in this way. In terms of what you've been through as, you know, a dad um, and a husband yeah. and, a, you know, part of a family, uh, how, how does that, does it change your, your perspective on, you know, what the rest of your professional golfing career looks yeah. like? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Golf has been so great to me over the years. And uh, to be able to compete, um, you know, and do the exact thing that I really loved about my life was to play golf at the highest level, uh, played the Australian Tour, played all over the world. We played Asia and Europe. And, and then my whole goal was to get to America and, you know, and, you know, you, know, you, you write down in, the, in your book, you win a major win major championships all this sort of business mm. and, you, and, you, and you love it you know what I mean you, you want it and um, to be able to you know to sort of stand up there and, and do your job well for years and years and years and and then all of a sudden things life life's treat you like have been treated with us into the April 2017 with Jacob being sick um, puts a whole new perspective on life and um, I had to put the club I didn't touch a club for like you know, four and a half months. Mm. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, when things started to turn around, you know, we spent a whole 12 months trying to get Jacob pretty much, you know, back on the swing of things again. And uh, and thank God that it has been positive situations in regards to his prognosis and his health. And uh, he's had to be fight through the whole situation and he's come out of it the right way. Um, and it, that has been so great. But, but now, with having trying to make a decision to do what I really love to do again, has been tricky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you know I've been out of the game for so long, and for years and years I've been in such great rhythm of playing tournament after tournament. You know, played a lot compared to other pro golfers on the US tour or the Australian tour as well, because you now we've supported the tour for you know 19 years or so on the Australian tour, and then also or more and now you play between 28 and 32 events a year. And, uh, and you know, this year I've played six, mm. you know what I mean? And now you're trying to find this this feel of trying to compete again at the highest level and you're trying to not search for the feel to play the game at a high level again, but you are, it feels different because, because the game and the touch and, and the lack of play has actually possibly... You know, damage those that rhythm of of just playing at a nice level and having that inner confidence and belief that you can just continue on and do what you do well. And do you still want to um, do it? Do you still yeah. want to do it as badly? Do you want it as badly now, John, as you maybe wanted it kind of ten or fifteen years ago? Is it is has that changed at all? Well, life changes all the time. You know what I mean? Because you you know all of a sudden you you play golf. It was just Jackie and myself when we first got on tour, and it was. You know, all systems go. We're traveling all the time, and um, you really want it. You really want it. And then when when family comes along, you still want it just as bad. But the priorities change. Yeah. I mean, you are you look and you're watching your kids, you know, grow up, and and dynamics of life is different. And uh, you know, sometimes you might feel that hey, you're away for a few weeks, and all you want to do is get home sometimes because you want to watch your kid grow, or you or Jacob playing soccer, or you, you want to go home and play golf with him, or all that sort of stuff. So 
a little bit of dynamic change uh, in your lifestyle, um, but the want to actually still win tournaments is still there. And um, and you know, we all go out there and try and win every week, but uh, you know, it, it, it changes. It, it feels different. And then when this sort of situation happens, it, it, it is basically trying to get us, you know, you know, back into the, the rhythm of um, you know wanting to get good again. But the thing is, is that with the situation now. It's just sort of making some good decisions in your preparation, almost. You know, when you don't when you don't do anything for 12 months, and then you try and play at the highest level again, all of a sudden you feel things are different, and you've got to actually work harder, dig in the dirt more to actually get the feel back. And uh, and I still want it. You know, what I mean, like I'd love to play the game for another, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be nice to keep on playing. Uh, 47 now, 48 in April next year. You know, I'd love to play PJ Tour all the way to, and then for 50 and then play, play the PJ Tour. Mm. Why not? Because it'd be fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and compete. You know what I mean? Because I, I know that the same guys when I was first on tour back in 2002 are the same guys that are going to be at the senior Yeah, exactly. Well, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're, you're sort of turning the wheel backwards a little bit, you know what I mean? And stuff. <laughs> So that'd be fun. So, so Sendo, I mean, everyone in the whole world of golf has admired your swing. Is that as it was when you picked the when you picked the clubs up again? Was that how it was? Did it just roll out like that, or have you worked hard to get it back where it is now? When we watch you play on TV, yeah. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, because um, the the golf swing is still the same. But the feels are different, you know what I mean? Because you are trying to sort of get this rhythm in your in your swing, and you're trying to produce the same shots. Um, the biggest challenge is the mental challenge, and being able to feel good about your swing to go out there and stand on the first tee and trust it. Uh, that is something that you know. If I was say, if you rewind the clock back to like 2013 or 14, um, the Percentage of times I'd get all that right were probably, you know, if they were in the, say, 80%. Well, right now, I feel like I'm at 70%. But 10% difference sometimes can be the, the the slowing down of momentum in a round or it could be the difference of decision-making or how you feel inside you when you're actually, you know, stepping up there on the first tee of, say, the Sony in Hawaii or the, you know, the Byron Nelson Championship in Dallas or all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, it, you know, as I said this year before, you've got to work really hard to get back to those similar feels. Now, you know, when you were 35, the body feels different to when you were, you know, 47 years of age right now. So mm. you've got to adjust. You've got to accept. And uh, and that's the challenge that we face now. And that's what I'm trying to do over the next at least five years of playing golf again and uh, and trying to compete well and, uh, and go out there and just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Because... Golf's been so good to me over the years, and we've played Australian Tour, and Europe, and America. America's been so good to me. The people and the, you know, the Australian Tour, all that, all the, the guys, and you know, let's just go out there and enjoy ourselves, and uh, and try and really uh, relax, keep working hard, and finish the career off. So, if, so no, before we let you go, do you, do you have a monetary figure that you've got to achieve now that you've come back midway through the year? What's the status for you to keep your card for 2019? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, right now, I'm going to come back from um, the medical, what they call a major medical extension, and 
played 13 starts for the PGA Tour, and um, I've already played six of them, and uh, so I've got like seven starts left. And so right now, my, it's based on the FedEx Cup points, and I'm still playing in basically the 17, 2017 season. So right now, I think I've got about 80 points up, and you probably need over 300 to keep your cards. So I've got a bit of work to do. Okay. And, uh, and uh, you know, keep at it. But, you know, like, um, I'm just out there now just to, you know, to believe that I can really get my card back and uh, hopefully play PGA Tour up until the age of 50. And, uh, and I'll keep working hard to, to try and achieve that goal. So that's the uh, that's the, the short-term goal for me right now. So um, And um, I just have to go out there and draw myself and, and go out there and do it. Well, we're all backing you to do it back here, John. It's um, It's been a really – it's been a tough 24 hours for – you know, all Australian golf fans, we're so um, completely delighted to hear about Jacob's yeah. positive progress. We need some good news yeah. on a day like this. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be, as you said, a couple of times through on the way through. It's a constant work in progress, yeah. but it's heading in the right direction, mate. Hopefully, um, yeah. yeah, that continues to be the case. Little, yeah, Exactly. We're just saying a little prayer for the Lyle family tonight and we give all of our love and support to Brian and the girls and... Um, and hopefully Jacob uh, and Jared can be, uh, you know, be peaceful. That's all we can ask for. So You're a good man, um, Sunday. You know, you know, bless his heart. John, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good on you. I enjoyed talking to you guys today. So thanks, did we, Sunday. very much. John Sender, a very special okay. guest on Inside the Ropes. We'll have a bit of a think about all of that. We'll clear a break, come back with more on the other side of this. This is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, Visit swingfit.com.au. G'day, it's Nick O'Hearn here. Whenever I get the chance, I catch up with Inside the Ropes to follow up on all the latest golf, and I urge you all do the same. It's a great show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, great to have you with us. Um, great catching up with Johnson. He's a very decent human being, that man. He's a great fellow, and you know, it, he, he probably he agreed to come on uh, after the Canadian Open quite some time ago. Mm. Um, and I don't think it was he thought that would be the line of questioning, but obviously that events of the day took us in that direction. But I don't think he minded, and and definitely, um, it, you know, right at the end there, he conveys his really strong thoughts and passion for Jared. So you know, I, what a what a good solid human being he is. And I know Andy that everyone at Capera hangs off every word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Cap, I don't know if there's a touring pro who's been more aligned with a club. Than John Sandon and Capera, maybe back in the day there was, but um, he gets back there at the drop of a hat. So he's he's a cracker, and everyone in Brisbane still loves him dearly. So you're talking about women's money before earlier on the show with Chitanagan and Minji Lee. I just he's made he's been out there for a long time. This bloke and he's been a perennial top fifty, top seventy five plus. So he's been a top class pro on the biggest tour for a long time. Sandon, so it shouldn't come as any surprise. He's won nearly twenty-one and a half million dollars wow. in the PGA right? Tour. Yep, that's amazing. Over the career, you know what? I, I'm just trying to guess a year here. I want to say 1998, 
roughly. Yeah. I was a member at Eagle Hawk Golf Club in Bendigo, and a couple of my mates uh, made it somewhere up to the final of the of the Holden Scramble. And he was still a pro playing Holden Scramble things at that time. Wow. It wasn't long before he went across to the States. Yeah. But, but, you know, if, if you told him at that stage, John, you're going to end up earning $21 million on the US Tour from a Holden Scramble final, that's unbelievable. Not that there's anything wrong with the Holden Scramble. No, no and some, no great, some great pros go there, but not many who play in towards the final are going to go on and make $20 million. <laughs> hope I read that right. Hey, um, uh, great story, and it's a week where we need as many good stories as we can get. Richard McAvoy at start number 200 and whatever it was, 58. 50, 58, there you go, on the European Tour. Three-time winner on the Challenger, two or three times on the secondary tour over in Europe. The Englishman prevails. It was. Uh, did you two start and watch the final round in Hamburg? That absolutely terrible golf course in Germany. <laughs> they played this thing on. I saw a fair bit of it. Yeah, it was fit. They some of the best players: Reed and Deschambault, which we will talk about, and our own Scotty Hen yeah. and Paul Casey. There were some high class world pros making some of the dumbest mistakes <laughs> you would ever not wish to see on a big last Sunday in a pretty significant event. With water behind and in front, and they just don't take Sucker it out Sucker pins and yep. just firing at them. And, you know, had had any one of those guys, any of those world-class players had their chance again, if they knew what the other blokes were going to do, they would have been hitting middle of greens, two putting. Not they, they would have Their strategy going to the last round would have been completely different. Yeah, I think Bryson would have his last uh, what four holes again? Don't you well, think? Well, it was just it was he, he he played the last four holes like a twenty five handicapper. I yeah. mean, he literally was a twenty five handicapper. It was staggering what he did. He finished bogey, bogey, par, triple, having led on he led on thirteen or f- thirteen. I reckon he's leading the championship. Shoots seventy eight the final round, forty through the back nine. He's a fascinating study in the last two weeks. This bloke. Now we all know about. You know the methodical nature and the you know the scientific approach and the mathematical equations that he applies to his golf. Some vision was revealed at Bryson DeChambeau from Carnoustie, and it's on the Golf Channel website. I'm sure you can find it elsewhere. During the practice round, one of the practice rounds leading, he's got his entourage standing on a tee, and he's just hitting balls, just hitting balls off the tee. Look like a three wood. Things going left, right, not finding the middle of the club face. Like goes into complete meltdown. It's all captured on video. You can, he's doubled over in physical and emotional pain at the way he's walking away from his entourage. He's sort of got the hand up on the wall and he's burying his face in his arms. He's so distraught at the way he's hitting the ball. Now, he finishes tie 51 in the open, so he makes a cut. It wasn't, as, um, it wasn't a disaster like... If you watch his vision in isolation, you imagine it was going to be. But the disaster occurred. Holes 15, 16, 17, 18, a week later in Germany. The meltdown, it was like the motherboard just overloaded and smoke <laughs> started and sparks are flying left, right and centre out of his brain. Did you watch, have you seen? He was hitting it everywhere in those last couple of holes. Yeah, I, I watched the highlights of that, uh, the last four holes, just last night actually. And and then obviously the handshake, which maybe which we'll get horrific. to. Uh, yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like you know he was just pulling driver where the commentator said he hadn't pulled driver. It was like he, he really was, I think, having a meltdown. Yeah. You know, it's like he wasn't thinking straight. 
But the worst thing too stays from your perspective. If you keep missing one, you want to miss it the, the same way. So at least you know... He's missing it 40 metres left. Then he's hitting the next one 80 metres right. Yep. Mm. He was Like those massive... couple of shots on 18. I mean, yeah. Oh, he had no control of that no. whatsoever. No. And, yeah, I, I say that's definitely mental. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to watch. <laughs> then the handshake. So Matt, he's playing with McAvoy, who wins the championship. He's a, he subsequently apologized, sort of apologised to this well, Duchamp. On social media. On social that, media. That counts, doesn't it? But the handshake, <laughs> to explain what you saw when... When there it was, was all over. there was zero eye contact with the handshake. Yeah, it was a handshake. It was a handshake and turn away. It was I mean, make it contact was... with the bloke and then get away from him as quickly as yeah. I, can. I mean, come on, this guy's just had his first win. Let's yeah. show a little bit of excitement. Okay, yeah, we, you've just taken triple and lost the tournament, but come on, you 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 understand. You're a golfer. You've yeah. got you know. Yeah, it was it was really disappointing to see because yeah. I've I've heard a lot of good things about it's Bryson. Exactly the same. I, I really have. You know, first thing I thought of was Greg Norman. How Greg Norman has had, in terms of golf um, devastation to being visited upon him, he's had more than his share in his life as a golfer. Yeah. Greg Norman takes the hat off. He can, 1996, yeah. hat comes off, hand goes out. Well done. You got me on the day. There's he an faces embrace. the media There's, after. Yeah. He does it all, Norman, and he did it all the way through his career, no matter how galling the defeat might have been. Tell you what, this bloke, DeChambeau, could take a leaf out of Greg Norman's book, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, it was disappointing to see, and I mean, I don't, I don't know him personally, so I can't comment on that. But yeah, I had heard some good things. Mm. A bit of raging debate on social media. I, I um, there's a lot of people who think it's one of the worst acts they've seen for quite a while, and others are saying, "Mate, he shook his hand, suck it up." Mm. And I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of in a little bit towards the former because I think it's poor form. But you know, we've grown up with Greg Norman doing that, or mm. Adam Scott at Lytham, as Adam we mentioned Scott's before. Lovely, you know, yeah. you just you suck it up, and you and you. Put your hand out because there's nothing you can do at that point other than make a knob of yourself. Yeah, it was poor form. It was just really poor form. Yeah, it's bad sportsmanship. It was, I mean, exactly. what, to not look at someone when you yep. shake their hand? And, yep. well, no, I think that's just rude. Yeah. So 38 years of age, McAvoy does it. What great a, story. What a putt. It's, yeah, how good was the putt? <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. And he seems like a really good bloke. So Everybody yeah. says, you know, all the yeah. people you like, the look of, yeah. rate him very highly. So, yeah. Uh, DJ wins in Canada, uh, missed the cut the week before. Third season victory, uh, gets back to number one on the money list. We've spent a bit too much time talking about money, <laughs> but he's now won six and three quarter million dollars this season. On the course. Yep. Yeah, on the course, <laughs> exactly. Right. And um, now, and becomes, I think everyone's probably seen the stat now, but in the past decade, he's now won more tournaments than Tiger taking over the Mandalas number one. Of most tournaments subsequent 2008. Did Expl- you know that? Explain that again. Dust- I, before, I, don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Before Dustin Johnson won um, at Glen Abbey, yeah. he was second or equal leader with Tiger Woods in terms of tournaments won on the tour since 2008. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's now, you think of all the t- tournaments Tiger won in 08 and 09 <laughs> and then back again in 0, well, 2013 and probably 2015. Uh, he's now gone past him, and I, you know, for me, I panned him for quite a while, Andy, about his mental prowess. Well, I'm, a, yeah. I'm I, I should have my mental prowess seriously questioned because that's that's an amazing stat. He's just so such a phenomenally good striker of the golf ball. I mean, yeah. it's it's insane how good a just a pure player he is. He might not be the greatest strategist, but he might be better at that than we think he is. He's certainly got his wedge game 
it, that is improved out of sight. That's, in the that's last. where I think it's changed. Don't you reckon yeah, that's got absolutely. so much better? I've looked at the numbers, but compare that aspect of his game from say 120 in now to say three or four years ago. It's chalk and cheese. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, without seeing the stats, I'm sure that well, that's where I feel he's made the yeah. biggest difference. I, I'll I'll be the voice of Clayton. That's because he doesn't have to practice his no, four that, irons. That's no. right, exactly. So it's driver and wedge. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think he turned his focus to because oh, and why, and why had wouldn't to. it? Yeah. Why wouldn't <laughs> it? Exactly. But you know, he stands on a tee that's got a challenging drive, um, and he he'll rein it back in and fly it three hundred yards and let it run out to wherever with a baby draw, a baby fade. So he's reined it back in to eighty five percent of his capacity to hit the intricate drive when it's needed mm. others are busting their gut to get it out that far and he's got it completely under control it's an extraordinary advantage he has mm-hmm. so miguel angel jimenez wins the senior british open from bernard langer a couple of blokes who had their putters a bit too close to their bodies for my liking <laughs> in that tournament and as much as i love bernie i'm always happy to see him not win when he's doing that scotty mccarran was the other one who God only knows how they get away with it, but they do. Yeah. Um, Dave McKenzie was up there. For great result. Now, yeah. was he using the big punter, Dave? Well, he has in the past. I'm not sure. I don't know, actually. Of him, but, yeah. uh, tied 14, nine back, so it's a great result for him. And let's face it, we need some good news this week. Yeah. Where better to turn from, <laughs> from Dave McKenzie on one end of the spectrum to the young fellow you're about to introduce us to, Hazy, on the other? This is a good news story. Yeah, this is. Um, I've been looking forward to talking to our next guest here, Andy. He's a great young fella, and he put himself in position at the. Well, I'm not going to say time on it because it's not something we know too much about, but a very respectable tournament, the Cotton States Invitational in Monroe, Louisiana. Blake Collier. I just want to set the scene here for you. Was even with the card through nine holes in the final against a Texan called Gonzalez. And he was one down in the match play final. Blake Collier, welcome. What happened after that? <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks, um, thanks for getting up and taking the call, mate. Ah, uh, That's all right. Yeah, the next seven holes kind of changed a little bit for my front nine. I um, played the next seven holes in six under, which included a hole in one. So. <laughs> Can we get a bit more, yeah. uh, a no, bit more it, specific, yeah, Blakey? Br- give yeah. us uh, birdies, eagles, hole-in-ones. How did it roll out? So I went birdie, Ten. hold a huge par part on 11. Yeah. Then 12, I rolled in a, at a 12-foot birdie part. These all, these all for wins Bird. or what are we? Um, yeah, the, the both, both the birdie parts are wins. Yep. And then we halved the next. Then... I won the 14th with a birdie and then won the 15th with a hole-in-one. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your opponent take that? Obviously, you would have had the honour. How did uh, how did that go after that? Yeah, well, he, he was right next to me when I hit it and I was looking pretty good the whole way. And then as soon as it went in, he kind of came straight up to me and gave me a high five. And then I was, um, I had Kyle Michelle catting for me. So I went straight over to him and we were just oh, jumping around and, <laughs> Couldn't believe that it actually went in. So, so is it true you nearly hold out the day? Is it true you nearly hold out in the semi-final on the same hole? Yeah, well, I had exactly the same distance in the semi-final and hit it to about two feet. So, I just had that oh, kind of like feeling of what the swing was to hit it um, close, and it was 
Yeah. And it was hunting the flag the whole, the, the whole way, wouldn't it? Like you, you told me the other day that it just absolutely lays it in on the pin right from the start. Yeah, it never really looked like it was going to leave the pin, but I never really... I haven't, I've only had one hole in one, so I'd never really crossed my mind that it would go in. <laughs> and then <laughs> after the first bounce, it was just gone. And you saw it. It wasn't one of those ones where it wasn't a raised green. You actually saw the ball go in the hole. Yeah, I saw it go in. It was only 116 metres, so... Over a lake, over a lake, if you don't mind. What I, I, I can't imagine, Blake. I can't imagine Gonzalez standing on the tee going, "Jeez, I've got to hold this for a half." Well, he, he stood up to his ball and he's like, "I can't believe I've got to hold this for half the hole." <laughs> so you're making a habit of doing this sort of stuff, aren't you? These dramatic closeouts. You're um, this is something that in recent times you've been doing a fair bit of. Yeah. It, ha- it seems to happen a, fair, um, a few times and I kind of can step up in the moment and make make the pucks and shots when I need to. So Tell us what you did yeah. at Riviera. Yeah, well, I was a f- few out of the cut line with a few holes to go. and This is qualifying for the 2017 US oh, yeah, Amateur. Yeah. Um, so I eagled my 17th hole. I hold out from like 40 metres out of the rough. And then I knew that I had to birdie the last to kind of get in and hit an eight iron into the 18th of Riviera to about three feet and then hold the putt for birdie and made it on the number. So, <laughs> pretty sweet <laughs> way to finish it. Finish. A pretty pretty famous hole, too. To, fin- to finish with a three there is a super effort. And Blake, yeah, and I was one of the later groups, so yeah, it was good to come in when I needed to. And there was a similarly, I, I, I might be wrong and I apologise if I am, but you had a similarly dramatic finish in your pennant final too, didn't you? Yeah, well, the the other, all the other matches were pretty much either won or lost. So it was down to my match and it was on the 17th hole, one up and hold a, I can't remember, it was probably about a 30-footer across the slope for birdie to win <laughs> the match and then the pennant for Metro, so... Uh, all right, now let's get back. You've hold, you've had your hole in one. Um, Gonzalez has unbelievably somehow missed from 112 meters. Yeah, what's he doing? Yeah, and you so you so you walk to the seventh, the sixteenth tee, and what happens then? Well, it's a, quite a longish par five. I hit one just down the right side, and he's just down the left. And then had a bit of adrenaline going, so I hit a four iron just kind of short right of the green, and he's. He's short left, probably not a great angle, but hits it up to about seven feet, and then I hit mine to about four, and then he drains it, and I've got like a downhill left-to-right putt to win. And I said to Kyle after, I said, I don't even remember moving that putter, but <laughs> the ball rolled in, so that's that's a good yeah, that's that was brilliant. it. So tell us about where are you at, Blake Collier? We 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 don't know about this um this tournament, the Cotton State Invitational. It's the first time I've ever heard of it, to be honest with you. Where where is it in the scheme of things, and what's what's on your agenda, uh, in the kind of coming months? Yeah, it's kind of one of the not one of the bigger um, events over here in the US, but kind of fit into my schedule quite well. And I played it a few years ago, so I had a Nice family to stay with down there, so they were happy to have me. And I thought, yeah, it was a good opportunity to go down. And I mean, any tournament golf's good, so 
I thought it was yeah, a great opportunity. Um, kind of now I head back to Australia on Thursday night and then got about a month or so before heading to Perth for the Mandra Amateur and then all the Aussie stuff kind of kicks off from there. So Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. And, and you know, I, I suspect, Danny, there's going to be a bit of movement at the... At the and excuse me, you'll understand what I'm saying in a second, Blake, the top end of the amateur rankings mm. at the end of the year, as there traditionally is, and I, I've i got a high hopes for this young fellow here, Andy, that he could uh, be one that we're talking about a lot in the coming summer of amateur golf. No pr- no pressure, Blake. <laughs> yeah, I know. Come on, Hazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, congratulations. It's a hell of a story. And uh, just to put people in the picture, we're recording this at about 4.30 on a Wednesday afternoon in Australia. You've taken our call at about... Uh, quarter to two in the morning over in Kentucky, I think, is where we find you. So we are very, very grateful for your contribution. It was a week where we needed a good story, Blake, and uh, you provided it to us. So um, we really thank you for getting up, taking the call, and we wish you all the very best. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Blakey. Congrats again. Blake Collier joining us on Inside the Ropes. You're a superstar, mate. Thanks a lot. No, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank man. you. You're good night. Did, you, did the alarm go <laughs> off or did you just sleep through it? No, I had to set through, uh, like a couple of alarms to <laughs> get me up. I slept with the lights on as well. Uh, <laughs> okay, go to sleep. Go, you, go and get a proper sleep now. See you, pal. I will. <laughs> See you, mate. See ya. So, um, so I've got to talk Fiji. Yeah, that, so that so um, that gets us into that I, now. I could actually come straight out of that if you yeah, like. Yeah, perfect. What was the Just last thing you said there? Uh, thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so I'm going to keep yep. going. Bang, go. So speaking of those amateurs, Andy, again, um, we've got an amazing chance this week for a, another young Victorian amateur, uh, David Michaluzzi, who has taken up the Australian PGA Tour's very generous offer of a start at the Fiji International, Fantastic. at the magnificent Natandola, someone told us on Twitter the other day. It's you, like Nandy, you pronounce the a second N, I think. Okay. Like, oh, it's okay. Do you? Apparently, apparently it's like Natandola. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, that aside, David Michaluzzi, we're all about trivia here, Stace. Yeah, I can tell. David Michaluzzi, uh, who is uh, the boom amateur of Australian golf, uh, Australian amateur golf this past four or five months, he's got up to the top ten briefly in the world amateur rankings. Uh, he's taken up his chance for a start in Fiji, and the PGA has looked after him an absolute treat. He's got a start, Andy, would you believe, in rounds one and two with... With got, Lucas with Lucas Herbert, Herbert and, and a gentleman called Ernie or Ernest Els. How good is that? How good of the... What what a group, hey? That's uh, awesome. Uh, We've got full best credit. amateur, yep. probably best up-and-comer, and Ernie. It's awesome. It's awesome. great. Brilliant from the PGA, and I think... Really good. You know, it's going to propel... Dave Michaluzzi to another level. Regardless of what happens, he could shoot two eighties and he's going to learn a truckload here. So uh, can't wait to see how he goes at Fiji. Can't wait to see all the guys sort of crank it back into gear. Importantly, it's on Fox Sports. Um, yep. So, and I know a lot of people haven't got Fox, and that's an ongoing discussion. But it's on Fox Sports all four days um, from nine and t- so from ten until three yep. on Monday, on Thursday and Friday, and nine until two on Saturday and Sunday. But the big thing is, if you can't watch it on Fox, the PGA has got a thing called PGA TV, and they're cranking it back up out of the box for the summer. 
and you can watch it through the PGA of Australia's website. Brilliant. PGA TV. You can follow every shot from Nat and Nola. Fantastic. Um, so there's a whole lot of other golf to be played this weekend. Speaking of 38-year-olds like we did earlier with Richard McAvoy, just wanted to make note of um, Wade Ormsby, who gets his second start in a WGC event at the age of 38. He's playing as one of the five Aussies at Bridgestone. So, um, you know, we wish them all the very best. Big ticket tournament, massive dough, huge prestige, all of that. But it's a great opportunity for guys like Ormsby and others yeah. who get in via, you know, a victory elsewhere. Uh, he does that with this. And, and a no-cut event so he can bank a check. You're going to make money. Happy days. You're just going to fill your boots. Uh, how much you fill them depends on how he plays. Just two quick ones from me before. I, I don't know what other general business you two have got. Um, kudos and a big thank you preemptively to the RNA and the USGA who uh, earlier this week declared that in, a, in essence the green reading books will be banned. They will be they're going to a, they're doing a six week um, sort of consultancy period where they're going to take submissions and really assess this. But it looks like all roads are leading to the abolition of the green reading books, which are just slowing down. Um, players aren't obviously using their own eye and their own ability to read a green, which is part of the art of being a golfer. Uh, and they things slow these players down, so they look like. They'll be abolished, which is a massive tick when and if it gets to that. Yeah, I didn't actually think that will that will happen. I, I really didn't, just because yeah. I thought, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, back in the day when the yardage book first came out. It's like, oh, this information is now getting given to us. You know, people used to do it with the little trundle wheel. They yeah. had to do that prep. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's got access to it. Yeah. And I kind of, like, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I just didn't don't think it'll... We don't need. I don't, we don't need green reading books. Yeah, do we? I, mean, I mean, I, I don't know, because I, I used to use them, so no, I can't. Uh, did you? Yeah, there's I did. No, okay, right. There's yeah. no fence sitting here, Stacey. So off the fence. Do you like it or do you not like it? I love the greens books. So, As a player, right? Okay, yeah. Yep. So did it make you a better putter? Yep. Really? It well, it, it really helped me. Okay, right. Yep. Did you become reliant on them? Probably too much at times. Yeah. Yep. And, and it took away the feel side of things, but I still think it really helped me. And do you, without any data on this, but do you feel like you dwelt on putts for longer? Did you kind of spend more time lining up putts, do you think, once you got hold of the books? Or did they... I don't think I personally did. Okay, right. But, but I can see where they're going with it. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, I never thought it will actually happen because I'm like, well, everybody's got access to this. And I just thought it was like the yardage book thing. Yeah, okay. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll wait and see. But it looks like that's where that one's going. Yeah. So, we'll wait and see where it, where it comes to pass. Um, Hazy, I'm going to finish on a sad note. We started on a sad note. So, if you've got anything else for, I know we've got some play nine we need to yeah, talk about. Yeah, we've been talking about it. And I commend people to the website, golf.org.au forward slash play nine. Mm. Win your way to not only the lakes and play as part of the uh, part of the Australian Open in November, but also potentially if you do really well, you can get to uh, uh, Port Rush, Port Rush, Royal Port Rush next year in Northern Ireland and Gee, represent Murray, Australia at the yeah. Open. You and I should get on. I that. think we're going. We need to be part of that somehow, yeah. Stace. Golf.org.au slash Play Nine. If anyone's listening, then Peters and Ma need to be part of that. Yep. Sure, we dredge you up, Hazy, and get you along <laughs> if you're so that way inclined. Um, Subscribe to the show. You know how to do it. Wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you do that. Can I just finish the note? We started obviously talking about Jared at the start, um, but we did lose one of our great characters in yeah. the Australian golf ranks uh, last week. Ian Stanley, 19-time winner on the Australasian Tour, uh, three-time winner over in Europe, uh, larger-than-life character, 
nat- really like at his day, a real natural competitor, a natural player, um, was part of that swashbuckling year of golfers that when I first started watching golf in Australia, Stanley was in the middle of it. Newton, and we know Shearer. All those guys yeah. were there. Um, there, were, there were plenty more others, yeah, you know. Right. And um, he was in that mix. And, and um, Mustaka? Yeah, all of that. You know, Stan the man. Stan the man. All that. So great Carlton man as well. I remember having a few beers with him. Uh, as we commiserated after the 986 grand final when your dirty rotten mob got hold of Bruce Dahl in his last game, Hazy. Uh, a, great, a, a great man, Ian Stanley, um, for, for Australian golf. And one of, one of these senior titles was the Senior British Open. Like He mm. didn't muck around. He won the Order of Merit when he went back over there as True. a 50-year-old, I think, in 2000 or 2001. So sad, sad loss because he's a real character and we need as many as we can get. And it's been a sad week. Um, thanks for bowling up. You could have easily taken today off and no one would have uh, battered an eyelid. Thanks, Andy. Um, I, I, the show's I, been better for having you part of it today. Thank you. So. And I apologise for the, the voice earlier. It's just it's hard yakka. Not all. Stays to you. You're a superstar. Get rid of the green reading books, though. <laughs> Stop being an advocate for those. Thank you, guys. Always love joining. Good on you. That's it. We're done and dusted. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in again. We'll be back next week to do it all again.